Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. Pastor Josh is taking our youth downstairs, and they may have already walked back there. They're going, but I just wanted you to tell them thank you for, uh, they did a lock-in this Friday and Saturday. Yeah, they were here all night and had uh, 43 youth that were gathered here in the room, and uh, James, I know, and Eric were here helping them out, and so just to say thank you. Our tech team, putting everything back together, you know, the, the whole thing was torn apart and everything, and so it's been pretty smooth so far, and here I am, so let's find out what happens the rest of the way. Guys, uh, we are very blessed with the great worship team. All these guys, uh, and a very large group of tech people, and they rotate through, and all these guys, and I know part of our worship team's out here as well as they cycle through. But all these guys are, are volunteers. Guys, I mean generically, it's men and women, but it's the group is all volunteers. Nobody's paid staff. They're just giving of their time. They give a lot of time, practice on their home, and all that stuff. And so, you know, we're very blessed. It's so cool. I'm so grateful for them. Thank you. Yeah. So we turn on the house lights for a reason. Is, am I supposed to find if anybody's sleeping yet? Is that what we're doing? Okay. I just want to make sure we're on the same page. All right. Uh, I, so let's do this, right? Romans chapter 12. I want to read some scriptures. Now, we've re read these scriptures recently. It's fine. You can leave the lights up. I don't care. Whatever. Since we are. All right. Romans 12, you ready? I try not to look at you guys. Nothing, none of, no, no offense to any of you. But people come up and confess to me, like, sorry, I was sleeping in church. I said, well, I didn't know, but yeah, thank you. Uh, so we're online, and we're also, if you fall asleep during the service, you should probably tune back in and rewatch it, because it's available at our website and on our app. Don't just pretend to love others, really love them. By the way, I'm reading God's word here. Romans 12, verse 9. Don't just pretend to love others. You know that fake smile you give to everybody? It's like, yeah. <laughs> Hi. Don't do that. God's word says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hate's a pretty strong word, you know. It's a very strong word. And so when we see this, it says, hate what is wrong. There's a lot of wrong out in the world today. Now, that's not attaching it to a person, and don't misunderstand that. If you notice, it says to love others just before this statement. So we don't hate the people that are doing wrong. We hate the wrong. It's, it's really important for us to know this because God's asking us to love the people that are crossing the lines of where we see them drawn. You follow that? You good? See, we love them. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. I, I just think the Christian community could really use some exercises in this area of Scripture. Honoring each other. When is the last time you just thanked someone, and I didn't do that to the worship team, I do that regularly, but I'm saying, when's the last time you actually thank someone, maybe behind the scenes, an encouraging word, and lifting them up for what they're doing. It tells us to do this for each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. <laughs> Enthusiasm. That's how we serve the Lord. We do it with, with great excitement. We are worshiping the creator of the universe, church. God. And he himself has invited us into this relationship. It's nothing we created. He did it. 
And he's invited us, and so we ought to be a little bit enthusiastic about it. Now, I understand there's different personality types. So for some of you, just to be like, raise one hand and woo you know, that's a lot for you. But if that's your enthusiasm, then by all means, do it. Yeah. So let's talk about that other card. Never be lazy, but work hard. Come on, that applies when you go to work tomorrow. And many of you are working at home. So God's saying something to us that he's seeing us all the time, right? So work hard. Don't be lazy. Come on, get your act together. As children of God, we should set the example to others. Not doing it to be seen by others. Doing it for the glory of God and working enthusiastically about it. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying when God's people are in need. Be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. All right, really love people. We're given a list, actually, of, of things we ought to be doing as believers right here. Just a short little list. If you're a list person, you probably should like start marking these downs. And you should have those as something to do every single day. Really love people. Hate the wrong. Do the right. Honor each other. Don't be lazy. Work enthusiastically. No bad attitudes. That's what he's telling us, right? There's your list. I just want to pause for a moment in one section of what we just read. Rejoice in our confident hope. Rejoice in our confident hope. What that's saying to us is true living faith. Rejoice in our confident hope. Whatever's going on around us, we have a confident hope because of what God has promised to us, right? So he's saying rejoice in that. If you're struggling with that list of things to do, here's your key. Rejoice in the confident hope I have because God has given me a promise. So church, do you really believe what you say you believe? So about a quarter of you? All right, I didn't tell you to answer out loud, but I'm going to ask you to answer out loud. Do you really believe what you say you believe? If you do, you don't have to answer this one. Why all the stress, anxieties, fears, questions, and uncertainty in the body of Christ? Why is that happening? See, if we believe what we say we believe, and we believe what God says to us, then these things should not control us, grab a hold of us, and we should not live in them. That does not mean they don't exist. Don't misunderstand me. These are temptations the enemy tries to get us stuck in. So they come against us and we feel those emotions, but we don't embrace them and we don't live there. See, as believers, I know what God said to me. You know what God says to you. We know what the word of God says. We know God is good to his word. Do you believe God's word applies to you? Yeah, that one I wanted you to answer out loud. Sorry, I should give you that ahead of time. Do you believe God's word applies to you? Therefore, Romans 8, 28, just one of our life verses, that's one of mine. And we know that God causes everything. 
even COVID-19, even political craziness, even fighting against our law and order, even oppression of people, in all things. This is God's Word, church. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. Not my purpose for Him. God's purpose for us. That doesn't mean God creates all this mess. God says, I'll work through it for you. And you will come out better for it. Whatever you have to face, whatever you're dealing with, God says, I'm going to work through that for your good, for my purpose. All right. Chill out, man. Stop stressing. Seriously, is God doing something right now in your life? Sorry, I didn't prompt that one either. You're just going to have to respond on your own. I'll tell you not to when I want you not to. All right, just do it. So here you go. Yeah. Uh, God's doing something in your life. And you're either embracing it or fighting it. One amen. (laughs) All right. So if we're living our faith, if we are living our faith, if we're embracing God and living the Christian life that he's called us to live, then God is working in and through everything going on in my life right now. You believe that? Why are you complaining? (laughs) Come on. Why are we complaining then? If God's working in it, who are we griping to? Usually we complain to other people. Like, we don't want to blame God. I'm not going to say like, hey, you're really screwing with me, man. But I can say it to you. But God's working through them. Why are we anxious? Why are we having anxieties overwhelm us? Why is it that we're grinding our teeth, waking up in the middle of the night, and not being able to sleep because we're in fear of what might be? Church, do we trust God? Does that mean everything is going to be the way I want it? That one could be a lot louder. Okay, so there's anxieties that the enemy tries to bring on us doesn't mean everything is going to be smooth because I say yes to Jesus. He says, I'm going to work through the mess that's down there because I'm perfecting you into the image of my son, Jesus Christ. And therefore, I recognize that when things get smooth all the time, you get lazy. Amen. (laughs) Why are we in fear? Why are we questioning what's happening around us? There's one I want you to respond to so I remembered this one. Have you sensed God working this week? This is what God says to us in Proverbs 3. You know these verses as well. Another life verse, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and He will show you which path to take. So there is a lot of Christians that are just completely stressed out waiting for this election. The world's stressed out. They ought to be. They have no hope. They have no hope. But we in the church have a hope that goes way beyond the election. Whoever wins, don't answer this one, okay, please. Don't respond. Whoever wins this election 
is not going to change who God is. What God has planned for me and what he's going to work in my life. It's going to impact me. It's going to impact you. No doubt about that. But do you trust him? (laughs) Okay. So we begin to feel these anxieties and fears and questions and uncertainty when we begin to dialogue with our brain and our brain is driven by the emotions that I'm feeling. So when I put myself in anxious situations, i.e. watching the news just as an example, I'm not telling you not to watch the news, I'm saying don't live on it or you will be an anxious person, okay? But see, when I'm, I'm living in that anxiety, I place myself there. Pretty soon, my emotions begin to get involved in that climate of uncertainty. And when I'm there, the enemy's calling me. Come on over. The water's great. And my brain begins to react. And pretty soon, I'm involved in something. And I'm emotionally involved in something. Now, my brain's engaging something. And I have no idea what God's doing right now because Dave's over here living in his own little world of mess. So I, I want to encourage you what the Word of God is telling us, trust the Lord with all your heart. Don't depend on your own understanding. He doesn't say don't use your brain, but don't just use your brain. Trust your heart because the Spirit of God is speaking. His Word is planted in our heart. Therefore, the agreement of the mind and the heart need to be as one with the Father then we won't allow ourselves to get offline and out of place. God won't allow us to. Okay. This is when faith must turn you away from those thoughts and feelings. So please understand this. We're not saying don't be emotional, don't engage your brain, don't feel stuff. That is not what God's Word is telling us. That's not what I'm seeing. But when we sense the temptation to allow emotions to begin to draw us into arenas and places we know are not healthy for us. This is where faith has to engage and we stand and we don't move into that arena. Come on, church. We've got to turn away from those thoughts and feelings. Engage the promises of God in order to hold to what you know is truth. And not what you feel is truth in the moment. I mean, there's never been an argument between spouses when emotions aren't involved. Family members, right? Once the emotions take over, things get unhealthy. That's when you say things you really don't mean. That's when you say things that you shouldn't mean. Because they begin to hold us and dictate what's happening in the moment. We've lost control. See, when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of us, God's Word says that the fruit of the Spirit is produced in us, and one of those things is self-control. Right? Amen. A little louder. So when I lose control, the Spirit's no longer in control. Dave's back in control, and that's where bad things happen. Romans 12. It stated this, and this is where we paused in that reading, rejoice in our confident hope. There is more that follows that statement, and I believe there's a key to this as we move forward, that we have to take these steps in this journey with God and growing in our faith and our relationship with Him. It says this in that verse 12, rejoice in our confident hope, 
be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Be patient in trouble. We're not very good at that. Be patient in trouble. Usually when trouble comes, we're reacting immediately. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. We're going to have troubles. Jesus told us that in his word. He told us, in this world you will have. He said that. You're not, the Christianity isn't a trouble-free life. It's a life that has faith and hope in God and He gives us the stability to survive this life and live in abundance of His grace. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. We are given the key to the whole situation here right there at that last statement. Keep on praying. See, that communication with God, that relationship with Him is what it's all about because that is the only thing that will keep me stable in an unstable world. In a world that is driven by sin, dictated by sin, and owned by sin. And in this world, remember, the devil is the prince of this world. He is the authority and power in the world. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. God is God and He is King of kings and Lord of lords and He supersedes Him. However, church, when people are not following Him, they have come in subjection to their King, which is the prince of this world, the devil. And the vast majority of people in this world, in this country, in this community, in this city, are under the authority of Satan himself. It's God's Word. God's Word teaches this. Okay? So our population in the United States right now is somewhere around 370 million to 400, depending on what survey you look at. They're going to do a census right now. In the latest census of Christians, there's a stat that says that we're about 30 million. Let that sink in for a minute. So there's like 340 million in the United States alone that are lost. You want to know what's wrong with our country? There you go. It's not the politics. It's not the police. It's not the schools. They are the product of a lost people. Come on, man. Jesus is the answer and we know it. But we're acting like we're a bunch of secret agents. We're supposed to be sharing him with lost people. You don't know who they are? There's 340 million of them. Come on. Keep on praying. It's amazing how often in Scripture we are shared this, we are told that the action step of life, like at the end of my message, I always give action steps, right? In God's Word, it's amazing how often prayer is the action step to what's happening in our lives. It's all the time. Last week we read that situation. Remember, we were reading in Acts 4 where the apostles were arrested because of the healing of the crippled guy and the leaders, like, they're like, we don't want to hear about this Jesus thing. And they told them, don't do it again. We're threatening you. Don't speak in his name. And what did they do? It says, in, I'm going to read these verses. I read them last week, but I want you to hear it. Verse 23 of, it, of Acts 4. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted up their voices together in prayer to God. See the first response? 
The church isn't doing that. Today's church is not doing that. We're, we're not turning to prayer first. Come on, seriously. The first place we usually turn is social media. The second place we turn is to our personal arena of people and our audience. And then we complain to whoever else will listen. And when we get to a point where we can't move, we're like, hey, God, fix it. It's the first response. The first response throughout Scripture. It's the first. It is our action step. We come to God. What are you facing? Church, I'm asking you, have you come to God in prayer? So God answered that prayer. A lot of us are struggling with unanswered prayers. God doesn't answer all of our prayers the way we want them to. It doesn't stop us from sharing them. We're going to talk about this as we move forward, but I want you to hear this, right? This prayer, when they were like, whoa, this is against you, God, and against Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior. The words are to stop you and your kingdom. So God answered that prayer immediately, like, boom. Tells us in the scriptures that the place shook where they were at. God showed up. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized the second time. Whoa, that kind of doesn't preach in the church today. Yeah, filled a second time with the Holy Spirit. And they went out and they preached Jesus with boldness. See, it was all about the kingdom of God. But the first reaction was prayer. Prayer gave them the strength to step up in the face of the adversity of the world around them and say, screw that, I'm all for you. Now that's not in the original Greek, by the way, just to clarify it's one that in their actions, so I apologize. That's, I, let's just move on, all right? See, our, our first reaction and plan of action should be prayer before everything else, anything else. Prayer. So, not asking for an out loud answer here. Thank you, Jesus, for helping me. How much time have you actually spent praying for COVID-19? Seriously, think about it. So, like in the beginning, we're like, oh, God, stop this. But maybe, just maybe, God was using that to awaken the world. Maybe. I don't know. I believe God's using the situations of the unrest of our culture to call people to himself. I do. 100%. Okay. How much have you prayed for the elections coming up? How much have you prayed for your personal challenges and your issues? So now, I believe that probably all of you have prayed about all those things. I do. But I want to talk to us about how we prayed about them. Now, praying for all these issues, but stepping back and looking at what our prayers actually look like. Usually, the motivation of our prayers is to get back to our normal, comfortable life. Don't you like long for that? We can honestly confess that. Yes, I want things to be normal again. I don't want to see anybody wearing a mask that's not against anybody wearing them. I'm saying, I just want us to be normal again. I want to be able to just go wherever I want to go and see people and hug everyone. You know, I want everybody to just be happy again. Less stressful. Go to work. Do your things. Go to school. I, I mean, I want all that. So as I pray for it, I'm asking God, would you please move in that direction? But God, I don't want that to be the final answer. Like, I want my normal back so that I can feel comfortable in my life. You see, that's all about me. And so usually, and I'm, again, this isn't wrong for us to pray. Stay with me. 
I am praying, God, put an end to COVID-19. Stop it. Stop the nonsense in our government. Stop the nonsense in our streets. Heal our land. God, move them in us. God, awaken your people. I'm praying all those things. All right, I am. And I'm praying them and saying, okay, God, whatever you're doing in this, I don't want what you are doing superseded by what I want. So God, move in this situation however you can. And whatever you're doing, I trust you. Now, I'm I'm saying that to you because I pray that, but it's not easy to pray. Because my flesh is still longing for that, ah, normal. (laughs) Okay. So as we pray and we're asking God to move, and and however he does, we're asking him to be God and not us. So we're surrendering our sovereignty to his. Because I can take control of anything I want to. He's given us that ability. The only thing is, I've done that in the past. And man, I screw everything up. And so it's that, that surrender to that. God, do it. Some of the things we're facing could, I'm not saying they are, but hear me, could actually be answers to our own prayers. <laughs> you ever think about it? You know, uh, parents, especially parents of teenagers and young adults, when they get in themselves in some kind of trouble, parents' natural reaction is, I want to run in and fix it. Protect them, bring them out of it. I'm not, just hear me through for a second. Don't, I don't want to get way off in details. But I'm saying at the same time, we're praying, God, get a hold of their hearts, their lives. Just help them to surrender to you, God. So maybe, just maybe in that, current problem they're facing God's actually trying to answer your prayer and you keep getting in his way because you're going to fix them and protect them instead of letting God have them let go parent let go that doesn't mean kick them out and just let them wander in the streets I'm saying let go with the control and saying God I'm I'm not going to fix every one of their problems I'm not talking about toddlers here talking about teens and young adults where parents keep trying to protect, fix, and make it all happen. And it's like, maybe God is trying to answer your prayers and you're fighting him. Just maybe. I'm not saying he is, but it's a possibility. We've been asking God to move in our nation. I've been praying for, I've been here 15 years as your pastor, praying, God, move in Tucson, awaken this city, and the top 10 most unchristian cities of 100,000 or more in the United States, Tucson, Arizona. God, move in this place. And so God starts moving, and we're like, God, stop, whatever that is. It's making me uncomfortable. Hold it back, God. Fix it. God, do something, though. Redeem us. Just make it comfortable while you do it. (laughs) All right? So we're saying, God, save people. Move powerfully. Let us see you in action. You know what? I'm still waiting for a world leader of any type to tell people, let's come together and call on God. Yes. Yes, he's mentioned. I'm not saying he's not mentioned. Church, what I'm saying is, when are we going to come to the only one who can bring peace to this mess? God's still trying to awaken people. He loves all of them. Democrats, Republicans, 
police officers, Black Lives Matter people, all of it, abortionists, those who've had abortion, he loves them all. Jesus died for them. Do you understand? See, so God's trying to do something in this mess and we're trying to help him. Okay. Some of what we may be facing could also be caused by our own actions and decisions, you know. Some of what we're facing can be caused by us because we're too much in control of stuff. And so I find myself in situations... I mean, it's happened in my own life. I'm, I'm not... I mean, seriously, God's always having to trip me. Like, hey, slow down, dude. I'm back here. Because I'm out there trying to do everything for him. So like when we do that though, we create a mess for ourselves. And so some, some of our messes are self-inflicted. That doesn't mean God's not going to work through it because he told us in his word he's going to work through it all. But some of us have created such big messes. It's not too big for him. But it's hard for us to dig our way out of them with him even because it's so chaotic and screwed up. So God's working through it. His heart's desire is for everyone to come to repentance. Everyone. Can you just imagine, just think about this. If some of our senators and congressmen and all those people that are serving there started to come to know Jesus. I'm not saying none of them know him. Don't misunderstand me. But I'm saying, what if a move of God happened in our political government? We don't even think of that as truth. We don't think that is a reality. It's like, pfft, they're on the no-way list. <laughs> Seriously, most of us Christians have those, yeah, that's never going to happen lists. And pretty much all the lawyers and politicians are on that list. Sorry for you lawyers that are here or online, I apologize. But I'm saying like, the vast majority of people view it that way. They're just like, yeah, never going to happen. God loves them. He died for them. He's desiring for them to come to repentance. So God designed something when he gave his life for us. He designed a relationship with him for every human being. I want you to know the will of God is for all to come to repentance. His word says so. Not just to select few, not just me and you. The plan of God is that all would come to repentance. That is his plan. Okay, prayer. What is this all about? It's not just saying words. It's not just giving God a to-do list for the day. But it's to truly engage Him with the intent and the will of God being first and foremost in our lives. There are multiple examples of prayer in Scripture. By the way, before I even go into this other part of this, I've spent time looking at prayer in the Scriptures, and the vast majority of prayers are said in less than three minutes in the Bible that are recorded, just so you know. So it's not like because you spend two hours with God every day that you're more holy. You're probably talking too much. Amen. Seriously. I mean, I'm looking in the Word of God, you know, like Jesus' own teaching on prayer was like about five, six verses. That was it. It's not like just throwing it out there. There's something to it, and there's something God wants us to understand about this relationship. See, that's what confused me when I was young, is the Apostle Paul told us, be constant in prayer, right? 
pray without ceasing. Don't stop praying. And I'm like, how in the world can I function and stay praying all the time? What are you talking about, man? That doesn't make sense to me. See, it's, it's that engagement in that relationship with God that is always present. Prayer. So we're going to look at Jesus, of course, for our example. You all know this story. But I think it's really critical for you and I, especially in the current situations that we find ourselves as individuals, as a community, as a church, and as a world. Then Jesus went with them to the um, to the olive grove called Gethsemane and said, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. Uh-oh, wait a minute. Jesus is feeling something. There's emotions involved. He's feeling weight. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Church, that right there tells us something. Something real was happening in the man, our Savior Jesus. Crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. See, listen, he was asking them to pray, but did you notice the words that he used? Watch with me. Be with me. Intercede for me. Be present. That's all he's asking. But this was prayer. Be present in the moment. Okay. Let's see what else is going on here. He went on a little further and bowed his face to the ground, praying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. That's the whole prayer. The whole prayer. You hear that, church? Did you hear that? It's like he got right to the point. He addressed the Father who had the answers, asked God for something, and then surrendered his desires to the will of the Father. That simple. Then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. Think about how this is. I mean, just get that. That fast. Out. That's the way I fall asleep. I'm just like, lay down, done. If I close my eyes, that's why I pray with my eyes open. <laughs> he returns to the disciples, find them asleep. He said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Just one hour. Just stay awake. Now, he wasn't gone an hour. He's saying like, you, you seriously, you're, you're that weak that you can't even stay conscious? Keep watching pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Ah, see, now we're given a, cue, a little clue there and we have been reminded of what it said back there in Proverbs. Can't trust this, it's weak. Use it, but don't trust it. Trust him. Let's go on. For the spirit is willing, but the body's weak. Then Jesus left up a second time and prayed, my father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping for they couldn't even, they couldn't keep their eyes open. So he went to pray a third time saying the same things again. Then he came to the disciples and said, go ahead and sleep, have your rest. But look, the time has come. The son of man is betrayed in the hands of sinners. Up, let's go. Look, my betrayer's here. The scriptures here in God's word give us a, 
absolutely perfect example for all that we are facing in our lives today. As I look at this, Jesus does not want to go through what he is facing. Church, Jesus did not want to go through what he was facing. He was facing yours and my sin. Holy God was going to become unholy. Just for a second, before we even go any further, think about the, the crushing weight your sin has afflicted upon your own life. Your brokenness. That stuff that has wrecked you. Just this room. I'm talking to just this room. And take all that and just put it in this pile and say, Jesus, jump in. It's all yours. And he's looking at that. Not just me and you, but all humanity forever. See, we can't even comprehend this. The physical suffering was nothing in comparison to the sin that was going to be placed upon him. For he who knew no sin would become sin for us. That we could become the righteousness of God through him. Amazing. Amen. So Jesus is looking at that mess and he's like, man, is there any other way, Father? Any other way? See, there's nothing wrong with us asking. <laughs> nothing wrong with us saying, man, could it get easier? God, is there another route that we can go that would just kind of smoothen the road? Nothing wrong with that. Jesus did it. Especially what he was facing. It's like, can we just kind of smooth this out? But he always surrenders to the primary objective of God over his own flesh and desire. What a model for us. He did ask three times for it to change. I find that interesting. I do. He was struggling. Do you remember he said, I'm heavy, I'm in grief. I'm, I feel this crushing over me. So he, he came to the Father three different times. Please, any other way, any other way, any other way. Okay, so it's not that you can't ask God for stuff. And don't just think you ask Him once it's done, check it off the list. You can come to Him. When it's apparent, things are not changing. When it becomes apparent, things are not changing. Can we accept this moment as God's will for us and that it really is for the advancement of His kingdom and not my life? See, there's the key for us. That doesn't mean stop praying for your kids and grandkids. I pray for them every day. I pray for their souls, for their lives. I want you to. God wants you to. But see that there's these crisis moments like we're in today as a culture and a nation, as a people, as a church, as families. We're in a crisis situation. And we come to God and we're asking for certain things to happen when they don't. Will you, can you, do you surrender and say, okay, God, whatever you want, I will trust you through it. I'm not going to allow this situation to dictate who I am, how I respond, who I serve, and my attitude in the midst of it all. Church, that's what prayer is. It's seeking God, but surrendering to God at the very same time. God sees tomorrow a whole lot clearer than you and I do. He knows. 
Matthew 6, he gives us really clear directions here. You ready? By the way, we often know these scriptures because we all know the Lord's Prayer. That's what we've called it. Just to clarify something, Jesus didn't say pray these words. He said pray like this. So if you like wonder why we don't ever pray the Lord's Prayer, it's because he didn't tell us to pray those words. He used it as a model for us to understand what prayer is. And again, it's very brief. But let's look what he said beforehand because we haven't really spent a lot of time there. But he had a lot to say about prayer prior to that little prayer. This is what he said in verse 5. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. See, that's a show. That's about me. It's like, hey, I got a relationship with God. Check me out. Watch this, y'all. That doesn't mean don't pray publicly. See, it's always going right back to the heart and the situation of where we are. He said, don't be like the hypocrites. He didn't say don't pray publicly. So there's public prayer. We see that in Scripture, but there's private prayer. And Jesus is addressing something as he's trying to teach prayer to his followers. It's not about you. It's not a show. I tell you the truth. That's all the reward they will ever get. (laughs) There's your answer. You think you're something. That's all you're getting. Okay, let's keep going. When you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. See, just that time with God, that's what it's all about. (laughs) When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. For your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask. So it's, like I said, Jesus modeled it. He's like, okay, I'm asking for something. I'm asking for something. I'm asking for something. I'm not just saying words so people can hear me. Remember, he went alone over there. The guys were right there. He was right here. And he's just asking God for a change. So he gives us these guidelines that prayer is not a show to appear holy to others. Should have an alone time to pray. Away from the distractions, spend time with God. That's why we ask you that accountability question. Have you spent time alone with God this week with no agenda? The no agenda part means just to be with him. We're supposed to have an agenda. You can have a prayer list. I have them. I use prayer lists because I know Dave and Dave will just kind of like move on. So I have a list to check myself and make sure I'm covering you, the church, gospel rescue mission, all of this, my family, my prayers, uh, pastor friends. Like, I have those lists. God's like, hey, it's not about you just telling me names. I know them. Hey, God, here's Joe and Sue, and and I'm not signaling you guys out, but, uh, you know, like, hey, I'm going to give you the list of our members. Thank you, Jesus, man. I'm a godly man. I just prayed for my whole church. I ain't doing nothing. God already knows them. See, he's asking us to come to him and just bring our needs, our petitions, and be with him. God's will. Let God do it. Don't just say words. See those words he's saying, babbling on, just repeating words again and again. Get to the point. Say what you mean. God knows your heart. Just talk to him. People are all intimidated, like, "Ah, I don't want to pray out loud. It's like, what? Just talk to them. You don't have to quote scriptures to them. He knows them. I'm not saying don't pray scriptures. What I'm saying is, you know, you don't have to break it into King James English to talk to God. It's like his language. Just talk to them. Church, just talk to them. It's like, Father, good morning. I'm so glad you gave me today. 
Thank you, God. Help me to be your son today. Let me live it to the fullest. Let me be an example. Show me someone that needs your love today. See how easy that was? It's just talking to God. That's it. Just like you're talking to somebody you love. Hello. Anyway. Don't just say words. Pretty simple guide to prayer. Pretty easy for us to get involved in it. And something we should probably take time to follow the guidelines and implement on a regular basis for our life. Man, I was going to be done early today. It's probably the worship team's fault somehow. I'm not sure. but James 5 says, Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you suffering hardships? Are any of you facing hardships? You should pray. Hmm. The altar is not just our place for repentance, church. It's like, you know, when we have a call, I always ask people to come to need Jesus, of course. But it's not like just sinners or sinful Christians need to come to the altar. It's a place where we come, man, I'm having a hard time. God, I need you. It's like that place of aloneness with God. That's what we do in the church. That's why we call this the altar. It's like we're inviting you to come and be with God for a moment in the midst of everything. Before we get back out in the crazy world, it's like, God, I want to come and be with you. Whatever situation you find yourself in today, one of your own doing or one of God's leading, you still need to pray. (laughs) Our amazing God loves us. He loves you. He's invited us into His presence to share our heart with Him. Uh, I believe that you need to talk to counselors, so don't misunderstand this. But do you know that the Scriptures call the Holy Spirit the counselor? See, we can spend time with Him. Share our heart with Him. Listen. Because He has the words of life. Any counselor that's worth their weight in anything will tell you you need Him. Help you come to Him. And if they don't, they aren't worth nothing. I'm sorry, but see, He's the answer to our problems. He is. Hebrews 4. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. Thank you, Jesus. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive His mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. That's God's Word. There's an invitation. Come on, you need Him. Matthew 11, Then Jesus said, Come to Me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Feeling overwhelmed? That's on you. That's on me. For real. That's what Jesus just said. It's like I've dealt with everything you're going to deal with. Come to me. I'll carry the load. Action steps. Have you received Jesus Christ as your Savior? That's the first prayer you need to make. Second, do you believe what you say? What you believe, you say you believe. Do you need to pray? Altar's open. Let's stand.
Altar's open. Come. Altar's open. Father, we love you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the challenge of your word. God, just touch us. We need you desperately. Thank you for this moment that we can share together. Touch our lives, God, as we give you glory. And live for your glory today and as many days as you give us in the future. God, we praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have an amazing day.